0: Episode of Biobusters. I'm Dr. A and I'm here with Dr. Foner. How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing pretty well. It's almost the end of classes, start of finals week, and
0: then a gorgeous summer, hopefully, if the weather turns. Absolutely. So today is April 26, 2018, and we're recording episode two tomorrow's the last day of class. Really well, last day of teaching. You. Well, either way, I'm very much looking forward to it. Absolutely, and then we've got a week of finals. How's, how's your semester wrapping up?
1: A lot of grading and a lot of things like graduation and then gearing up for research this coming May. Other than that, a few fun vacations and well lucky you, you're going to uh, New Zealand. Oh yeah, up, we right?
0: have uh, study abroad with to Australia and New Zealand with uh, 20 some students. That should be fun. very fun. Cool. And, you know, speaking of uh, summer research, we should do uh, a couple episodes on that. Maybe uh, next episode should be on uh, research programs in the summer. I think so. Let's get the word out there that we're running some pretty intensive and awesome research opportunities for undergrads. Absolutely. We've got a lot of faculty involved uh, in these things. But, um, you know, uh, let's let's start talking about episode two. So, you know, one thing we actually uh, kind of forgot to do in episode one is introduce ourselves. Yeah, that was a pretty big oversight on that. It was a pretty like, big oversight. We
1: were excited <laughs> and we needed to you know, get that first
0: episode in the bag. Now we're going to do things properly. Exactly. So, I am Delbert Abdallah. I am Dr. Christopher Fauner. Okay, perfect. And uh, we're both faculty here at Teal College in the biology department. Yes, sir. And I teach mainly immunology, parasitology, and cell biology, along with a couple other courses here and there. I teach mainly anatomy and
1: physiology, uh, animal physiology, exercise physiology, basically anything in the physiology world, I'll be your instructor, and some other seminar courses in my first first first-year SEMS course this coming fall. So lucky for those students.
0: Oh, those are neat. You know, I did one of those uh, uh, SEMS first-year courses, um, I want to say a couple of years back, and uh, that was kind of neat. This
1: will be my first one, and is a cheap plug. It will be the science behind movie magic. So analyzing whether the science presented in movie TV and mainstream media, is it accurate? Is it inaccurate? And how does that relate to how science is portrayed in media?
0: You know, I love those topics. I mean, yeah, particularly those seminar courses, they, I mean, they could be anything. Well, I wish I could have taken those as an undergrad. I
1: see the listing: Star Wars, Harry Potter courses, yeah. my course, yeah. and I wish I could go back in time.
0: Yeah, no, yeah those, those are neat. Okay, so, uh, and uh, one other thing we should mention, that the music you hear in uh, this episode and every other episode of BioBusters is composed uh, by a friend of mine, uh, Baha Namani, who is a uh, a dear uh, friend from uh, college who uh, every once in a while dabbles with music. Pretty cool stuff.
1: I enjoy the music credits.
0: Yeah, it's not bad, it's not bad. All right, cool. I think uh, e- enough of this stuff. Let's let's. So, what do we what do we got uh, today? Well, today
1: we're going to be talking about the plague. So, a few kind of the misconceptions and cool and somewhat scary facts about plague. Where it came from, is the plague still around today, and how is it um, manifested? The symptoms. And how does it eventually, how was it uh, treated and prevented? I almost said the word eradicated, but as we're going to get we're into the yet. episode, it is not completely eradicated.
0: It's, I mean, it's hard to eradicate some of these diseases that have vectors that are non-human vectors, right? It's,
1: I mean, in terms of eliminating those vectors, yeah, as absolutely. we're going to see with the plague, you'd have to eliminate important parts of the food chain that would eventually cause some pretty nasty things in the environment.
0: And we've only been successful uh, as a society of eradicating only a couple uh, diseases. We've eradicated smallpox. Smallpox is... completely eradicated, yeah. yes. More, m- minus the few samples that are, you know, left in labs, right? And it's not give anybody any idea <laughs> not, not in our labs. Yes. And uh, uh, the veterinarian uh, uh, or disease of veterinary significance, uh, Rinderpest. Yes. These are only two eradicated diseases, as far as I know, at least. As far as I know as well, yeah. Well, hey, may- maybe <laughs> our knowledge is at the same level, apparently. So the bubonic plague.
1: Probably its most common publicly known nomenclature is going to be the Black Death, right?
0: Uh, do you know why they call it the Black Death? And maybe if our audience knows why they call it the Black Death. Isn't it because of those uh, lymph nodes that turn black, so buboes, essentially? Bubos. Yeah.
1: yeah. So they turn black, and that's because when they turn black, what you're actually seeing there, those kind of black patches... That is manifestation of subcutaneous bleeding that's occurring underneath the skin. So once that builds up, that manifests in black splotches or spots rather. And that eventually is known or was known to be called black death. And as everybody knows from probably their basic history courses, this was a plague that struck massively in Europe. This is when it first became popularized in Europe in about October of 1347. Popularized as in like, you know, that's uh, when everybody started to worry about it. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And this is when things were documented, such as, you know, ships coming into port and all of these, well, for lack of a better term, these dead bodies coming off the ship with these kind of black splotches and these buboes, and
0: people realizing, uh-oh, something on that ship that probably wasn't too good for the human population. Right? You know, And they used to force these ships not to disembark, right? But mm-hmm. little did they know at the time that the rats were a huge reservoir host for these uh, pathogens, and they were the ones leaving ships on ropes and things like that. And it was impossible to stop. Once, yeah, that, right. once that ship docked in that port,
1: uh, it was pretty much a guarantee that this bubonic plague was going to spread to that nearby population. It was pretty massive, too, in the fact and just the scope of how deadly this disease was. Over the next 5 years after that initial October 1347 incident and records are a little bit scarce they weren't as uh, kept up as they should have been or probably could have been at that time but greater than 20 million individuals died in Europe okay
0: so is, is that way. estimated to be like almost half the population of Europe at the time right half the population so it's estimated that between 30 to
1: 60% of Europe's population was wiped out by the end of the plague's original incidents in Europe.
0: You know, I was reading something the other day. They said it took the uh, human population on Earth effectively another 200 years to come back up to pre-plague levels. Isn't that crazy?
1: I think, and even myself, this is something that maybe if I watched more History Channel, as I should, um, it's incredible. Less uh, stealers and penguins, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, not now that... Penguins are in the playoffs, but that's besides the point. Um, it's incredible to think that a few centuries ago, the human race was at this kind of tipping point where if this hadn't been contained or if it had spread even larger and hadn't eventually been controlled via different prevention techniques, it's quite possible that the human race right now would be much smaller than
0: it is. Possibly, yeah, absolutely. So... And where did where did this thing start? Did it start uh, Far Asia? Far it's, East Asia? Is, it, that, is that what the thinking
1: is? There's been early documentation that in the early 1340s, and going back a little bit earlier than that, that before it made its way into Europe, that the plague had actually struck different parts of China, India, Egypt, and Syria. So it had actually made its way throughout different Asian countries, eventually... Came to
0: Europe. And if I remember correctly, so if I, I mean, if I remember my history well, at that point, we're looking at what, like Byzantine Empire? Uh, I believe sort of, so, okay. yes. Yeah.
1: And there are a lot of different theories as to what caused all of a sudden the plague to basically blossom. So so why? effectively
0: to go from, uh, if we can sort of all visually imagine on a map, far uh Eastern end of the Mediterranean, so think, you know, Lebanon, Syria, you know, Israel, that area, and travel west all Mm -hmm. the way to Spain. Yes. What was
1: originally thought, and something that's of primary concern now, minus anybody's individual political beliefs, um, yes, in fact, climate change is a real concern, but climate change... Even back then. Even back then, and we're talking about in the early parts of, you know, the 1300s, it's thought one prevailing theory is that the plague likely started to spread due to climate change that occurred in Asia. And that was because what we're going to talk about, one of the vectors or transmission vessels for the bacterium that causes plague was rodents and eventually different fleas. And in climate well, or change,
0: concurrently, concurrent, you know, exactly.
1: Yeah. But back in Asia, when the climate started to shift, this may have caused rodent populations to basically flee and get out of dried out grasslands and eventually start infesting more populated areas more and more. And a higher incidence of rats and different rodents back in more populated areas likely led to more chance of infection. And then before you know it, it gets to Europe in 1347.
0: And, you know, and this spread... Throughout Europe, in a matter of, you know, uh, what, like three, four years, right? It, 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 yeah. And, and, you know, it's crazy to think about, particularly back then where uh, modes of transportation were either uh, horse, horseback, right, or walking. Yes. And for something that spread, you know, thousands of miles this fast. In five years. Yeah. And I mean, right. it was within five
1: years that 20 million people had died, again, estimated right. in Europe. Wiped out half of Europe's population. Those are conservative estimates.
0: And, you know, this is uh, also one of the – there's that story with uh, the Mongols, right, where it's thought or it's believed to be that uh, it was the first disease to be used in biological warfare, right? That's really scary.
1: And (laughs) not only is it scary, but dare I say it is a somewhat, I don't want to use the word clever, like I'm happy that this happened, because obviously... But it was clever, I mean... It, it, to me, as a commander, I believe that was Yanni Beg, who commanded the Mongolian Horde, who laid siege to a Genoese city near the Black Sea. He basically, his siege started to fall apart because his troops were becoming infected right, with right. the Black Death, with the bubonic plague. So what did he do in a probably act of desperation? He started catapult- catapulting the bodies of his dead soldiers infected who had died of yeah, these were, these were into dead soldiers the city. Yeah. Exactly. And that was again another prevailing theory as to maybe why transmission started to occur. This in Europe. transmission exactly in
0: Europe, yeah. These so these were Mongols effectively travelling west, reaching uh, mm-hmm. the Genoese city and mm-hmm. then from there transmission at that point hadn't occurred in Europe, is that right? I believe at this point there was no incident, no land transmission. No there land may have been by water. Okay, right. Yes, and then yeah, so they catapulted these dead corpses, which I think it's the first documented incidents of uh, biological warfare. And look how far we've come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so tell us tell us a bit more about uh, about the disease itself, and you know, sort of the crude uh, medical treatments at the time. So what is it?
1: That's kind of the real meat of this. We want to detail and talk about, however briefly, exactly how does one become infected with Black Death with the plague. Well, it's caused by a bacillus bacterium known as Ursina
0: pestis. Okay? So and and bacillus uh, uh bacillus meaning sort of rod shaped. Rod shaped, yes.
1: Sorry, okay. for the scientific jargon there. Right. That not, means not. different bacteria come in different types of shapes, either a more circular or pocket shape, and also no or er, the other alternative shape for a bacterium is going to be bacillus or more of a rod shape, okay? So this particular bacterium was known as Yersinia pestis. I think it's Yersinia. Yersinia? Yeah, yeah it's Yersinia so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah Yersinia pestis. There. No, so no, no, no big Yersinia deal. Yersinia
0: pestis. Again, You're the physiologist.
1: You know, maybe I need to brush up on some of my microbiology. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll handle the microbiology. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that one. Yersinia pestis. It's able to travel through the air, but, and this is the important thing here, Okay. The main vectors, the main modes of transmission were fleas and rats. And this is what eventually led to that widespread epidemic in Europe, is because what were the most common kind of animals or organisms found? I mean, they were everywhere, ships? right? I mean, they were everywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're still everywhere. I mean, rats, I mean, you think of, you know, every once in a while you get that news story of what giant rat dragging a massive pizza down a subway in New York, right?
1: (laughs) Those are always fun to see. But I mean, yeah, rats are still everywhere. Rats are everywhere. But again, think about how common fleas are. I mean, just uh, a few years ago, I had to have my dog treated for fleas and some other ticks. Think about how common... I mean, that's your fault for having a pet. Well, exactly, but, you know, I love animals and like to have company, whereas you just prefer <laughs> solitary confinement. Well, there you go. But <laughs> fleas and rats. Imagine how easy it is for a flea to land on you or your domesticated animal. When they start sucking blood and they eventually start to feed on that animal, what can eventually occur? Well, before you know it, you've just been infected with Yersinia pestis.
0: And, you know, another uh, – and we'll, we'll get to the different kinds of uh, – uh, plagues here, but uh, one of them is essentially uh, uh, pneumatic, right? And um, that's or pneumonic, oh, like, not mnemonic, pneumatic and I yeah, said like pneumatic, pneumatic device or Don't like. worry, I'll take care of the physiology. What? Well, <laughs> that's funny. So okay, so yeah, so uh, and uh, now there's there's a bunch of uh, there were, or there are a bunch of papers that came out sort of indicating that uh, they believe how fast it spread. And because they saw some effectively um, lung, lung infections, I mean, just traveling via aerosolization, right? So, so, so yeah, because, because of that, they believe that maybe the transmission may have been or the kind of outbreaks may have been these pneumonic uh, plagues because of how fast it spread across Europe.
1: And it was common in all kind of three main forms of plague, right? You have pneumonic, which was usually the infection of the lung tissue. You have septicemic, which to me sounds probably the most dangerous. We're going to talk about what septicemic actually means. But this was the way the plague infected your bloodstream. And then finally, the bubonic plague, which as we're going to talk about and learn,
0: the bubonic plague is going to infect the lymph nodes found inside of the body. Right. And lymph nodes, you know, for those of us that don't know about lymph nodes, they're effectively your, if you were to simplify it down, they're your garbage collectors of the immune system, right? Yeah, filtering Uh, modules. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, caused by Yersinia pestis, right, travels through the air, fleas, rats, aboard ships, easily spread. It can cause three main forms, right? Mm-hmm. These uh, bubonic ones, uh, the pneumonic one, and the septicemic.
1: And that's something that, and again, I was kind of reading up on the history of the plague and just how deadly and how widespread it eventually became to me. What sounded possibly the worst, I mean, having each of these is obviously very bad, but the septicemic form of the plague, this is when you have the infection of the Bacillus bacterium in your blood, and eventually what that could lead to is the resulting blood clots forming inside of your blood vessels. You start to have symptoms such as leg pain, chest pain, and eventually due to the using up of different clotting factors and platelets, you could actually get excessive bleeding, uh, bleeding from different bodily orifices, bleeding in your urine, which is obviously something very alarming, and right. eventually organ failure results from that septicemic form of the leg. Huh.
0: Lovely. Yeah. It's for some people, yes. <laughs> you know, so um, can you have one form uh, and, and combined with others? Or is it... You could. Okay. You could
1: have them occurring uh, simultaneously. Uh, one can eventually lead to the next. So you mentioned the pneumonic plague, right? Pneumonic plague sometimes occurred after the other two plagues infected the body. After you get infection with the well, lymph that, nodes. Uh, well, that makes sense, right? Yeah, exactly. So just general traveling of this bacterium inside of your bloodstream, uh, eventually leading to infection of the lymph nodes. And eventually, the bacterium making its way into the alveoli, into the actual one. Well, I mean, if it's in
0: the bloodstream, it's going to be in the lungs. It yeah. It's going to spread. Yeah. Exactly. With every Once heart. The blood, yeah. Once okay. it's in the bloodstream, it's going to go everywhere in the body. So, how was this uh, treated back then? So, now we have antibiotics for it. So, so antibiotic treatment for it today, you know, most uh, clinicians will effectively treat with antibiotics. Uh, antibiotic treatment, there's a bunch Mm-hmm. Uh, five or six or so that are recommended by the CDC effectively to treat this thing. Uh, we don't have to mention what they are, but you know, uh, they can either be given by mouth or uh, through an IV bag. Some will kill the bacteria, some will slow its progression, et cetera. But uh, effectively, in terms of prevention, it's
1: actually, if you think about it, back then it was a very much, of course, a cause for concern. And what we're going to talk about in the current day, is exactly why we still see an incidence of plague throughout the world. But basic... Can't kill rats, can't kill fleas. Exactly. You can't eradicate those. Right. But the overall kind of improvement in not only basic health care, but preventative measures in hygiene was a huge step in the right direction to preventing plague. Uh, One of the big things was... And other diseases. And other diseases, of course, and others that we may talk about in the future. But... Um, one thing that is of primary concern, and especially for kind of developing countries, is the fact that once you have any of the symptoms associated with infection by this Bacillus bacterium that causes the plague, health care must be sought immediately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I think I was reading up on the overall, uh, the overall of rate death effectively. And the yeah, chance yeah. of death 70- if it's not caught. Or so, 24 it? well,
0: hours, it's in the 70s. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you don't um, get treatment, you you are likely to die from this. And I believe the timeline
1: is between two to five, two to six days, somewhere around there. Yeah. So you, you
0: got to get help
1: right away. Exactly. And some symptoms. I know we kind of brushed over the symptoms, but one of the symptoms of the bubonic plague is the appearance of what we call buboes. Okay. So these buboes are these swellings that are visible in the skin. Of your so fir-
0: first, they swell, right? But then they eventually start turning black start because turning of cellular death. Exactly, and, you know,
1: turning black because of cellular death and subcutaneous bleeding. These buboes, these kind of patches of black, are usually visible near the groin, armpits, and neck. Anywhere you have lymph nodes, effectively. Exactly. And here's kind of a fun yet somewhat morbid and disgusting fact. <laughs> uh, way back in the day, and I like to, you know, people usually say for my dad. Oh, I don't want to go to the, you know, the doctor, right? Because they're afraid of doctors and, you know, doctors don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, ancient medicine back in the 1300s, a common form of treatment for the plague called for bursting of these swelled patches known as bubos.
0: So effectively, all of these things sacks filled with all this bacteria that can make everybody sick. You're dispersing them, so if you can get rid of the... Or the bleeding. I mean, they used to do bleeding as uh, patients, right? Yeah,
1: bloodletting, the use of leeches. Right. Again, always think, it could always be worse. That's what gets me through (laughs) my weeks and days sometimes. It can always be worse. You could be in the early 1300s, go visit a doctor, and they could say, okay, here's 20 leeches, let's go get that sickness out of your blood.
0: So, you know, one thing that I wonder is, do leeches get infected with your city? If they're feeding, I would assume... I mean, you'd they assume they, they feed the blood and then get the bacteria, but does the bacteria actually establish an infection in the... You know what I mean? Like the to, host specific sort of interactions, Well, if right? it's able to evade um, antibody... Then why not? Antibody production and evade phagocytosis, it's entire or, or whatever leeches have in terms of immune, immune, immune responses. System, yeah, I mean, there might yeah. be a rudimentary. It might be. There, yeah. I would have to say so, yes. All right. Cool. So then, uh, so what other uh, symptoms can you get in, st- in addition to the buboes? So,
1: fever, shortness of breath, uh, a nasty cough was common, vomiting of blood again, which is never really too good of a sign for overall uh, normal human health, and rashes. Is that is that flea bites? Flea bites. So. Okay. What some patients exhibited were these rashes, and what we now know were probably flea bites that were another source of a vector coming off of the rodents, landing on a human being, biting, and transferring that uh, bacterium into
0: the blood. Yeah. Well, you know, it turns out with these fleas, now we know that uh, if they're being infected with uh, Yersinia, Uh, it it, it leads to uh, blood clotting in their feeding tubes. So actually the fleas are not able to uh, get a lot of blood when they go feeding. And, you know, it turns out that that's common with a lot of vectors that um, transmit you know, parasites or bacteria. They kind and the, of like almost regurgitate because well, that's what happens. So, 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 so it tries so, yeah. to eat multiple times. So mm-hmm. the flea, effectively, because the feeding tube is blocked, tries to eat multiple times either on the same host or multiple hosts, effectively at some point, ensuring the transmission of the bacteria. We should do an entire uh, podcast on pleasing future. I feel like we have a lot of material here. You know, we can get we can get uh, Doctor Ballas as an entomology. Well, that would be perfect. Yeah, yeah, right. I say we do it. No, I, I say we do it as well. So, um, you know, other uh, like I said, other vectors do that. So, like uh, sandflies that transmit leishmania, one of the parasites we work with, mm-hmm. uh, sort of has the same, not with blood clotting. Uh, but same mechanism of feeding tube being blocked and then, you know... These kind of conserved mechanisms happening in multiple different organisms. Yeah, yeah, you know, conserved mechanisms. It's crazy that just an organism that is just so small, tiny, microscopic, can have such dramatic effects on uh, behavior, not just, you know, necessarily like the infection or inflammation or whatever, you know, just effectively figuring out which one is the best vector and then well, think mm-hmm. about it like this.
1: These tiny little, I'm sure back in the day, what they regarded as kind of gross organisms, but they probably thought they were somewhat meaningless Fleas, well. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fleas, what did fleas complete, do? Right? Exactly, yeah. Well, before you knew it, you know, the or combination mosquitoes. of these, you know. yeah, mosquitoes. Uh, back in the 1300s, fleas along with these rodents, before you know it, 20 million people had died. Right, so,
0: yeah. So now we have antibiotics for it, right? So in the past, other than bloodletting and the bursting of the buboes, uh, you know most of everybody knows of uh, effectively what uh, you can refer to as uh, Doctor Beak, right? So these plague doctors were uh, doctors that wore these uh, masks, effectively that covered their face and kind of like
1: rudimentary respirators, right? Yeah, and, if you
0: PPE, had, yeah, yeah, if exactly, if you, personal protective uh, equipment.
1: Now the kind of basis for that. PPE, and the reason for that mask
0: was completely baseless, right? Oh, yeah. They thought that the bacteria was transmitted through the air, they which in, in the case of the lung infection, then hey, there's a were, point to be made there. They were maybe on the right track, but when I was reading and researching this
1: topic even you know a few years and a decade ago, I seem to remember the one phrase, they thought that bad and evil smells
0: right. cause disease. So well, same purpose, thing with, with, with malaria, right? The the mm-hmm. word malaria means bad air, right? Exactly. They thought that it was the air that caused uh, malaria as well.
1: And the reason for the creation of these beak masks right. were to keep these bad or evil smells from getting
0: inside of the body so and they stuff, causing disease. So they had these essentially beak masks and they, uh, at the f- front end of the beak, they stuffed them with all sorts of herbs and, you know, fragrance giving... Uh, mm-hmm uh devices or you know uh if only it were that simple imagine just
1: you know being diagnosed with some kind of illness and just spraying Febreze all over your apartment or house there you go go, you're
0: cured. cured. What was it? Wasn't there a movie where they used Febreze to cure everything? It wasn't World War Z. No 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 it was it was that wedding movie. Oh my my big fat Greek wedding is that is that that was That uh, was a movie, right? My big flick I'm remembering that I correctly. I only saw that one time I was dragged to the theater to see that well, yeah, date night. Right. But uh, But the no. father of the bride uses Febreze. <laughs> I'm I'm going to Google this. So that's what we call ancient medicine. The, yeah, the, you do the, not
1: the, the, want to <laughs> cure or sanitize your household by buying, you know, five or six bottles of Febreze and spraying them around your apartment. You'll still likely get
0: sick. Most, most, likely. most yeah, likely. Most likely. So uh, with this special costume, right, so they stuffed scented materials in the beaks to effectively uh, prevent the bad air. So they had mint, cloves, you know, rose petals, uh, things like that. And obviously, you know, these doctors were not that useful.
1: Uh, yes, I would say that they're crude practices, and I'm using the word crude in a nice way because these are. this is basically... Uh, very bad medicine, right? This bloodletting, the boil lancing, the bursting of these bubos. They sometimes burned herbs, again, because of the nice, good smell that would ward off these evil, dangerous smells. And they would have their patients take baths in vinegar or uh, rose water. So, no wonder in the current day, if this is how doctors practiced hundreds of <laughs> years ago, no wonder doctors have a bad rep presently.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't want to go to the doctor. Maybe that's like. This whole, like, I don't want to go to the doctor is, you know, ancient, thousands of years old practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, but obviously a lot of people survived the plague, right? And uh, some genetic studies indicate that uh, some of those uh, individuals that uh, survived the plague may have had a genetic mutation that made it difficult for the bacteria to establish an infection.
1: Evolution in action, right?
0: Absolutely. And uh, they they have seen, apparently, something of a, a dramatic uptick in the presence of that mutation or the presence of that gene in European populations 700 years ago, which is right around when this was happening. And, you know, interestingly enough, that same mutation, which is a deletion of a CCR5 gene, we don't need to get into that, right? But interestingly enough, People that have that same deletion today are also uh, protected from HIV infection. It's incredible. It's I crazy to think about. Death yeah,
1: association you know was present.
0: Yeah. So, I, and this was from you know um, genetic analysis of current living Europeans, but also. You know, a lot of these studies—they—they've been digging up uh, mass graves from those uh, eras, and then uh, doing some analysis on whatever DNA they can isolate from skeletons, usually teeth or uh, yeah. something like that. That's pretty cool. So, what else you want to talk about, man? We—what about the current day status? Well, I think that that's—and we can wrap pretty, up with that. I guess pretty yeah.
1: important to end on is what is the current day view? Because I imagine if you would go and pull. You know, 10 people that maybe 7 or 8 out of those 10 people might say, oh, you know, Black Death, bubonic plague. That's ancient. It's ancient. It's not around anymore. anymore. It's eradicated. When, in fact, it couldn't be more untrue. Not Uh, just around the world, even in the U.S. In the U.S., in the Western U.S. So listen up if you're fans of, you know, California and you're planning a vacation there this coming summer. Camping in Arizona. Exactly. Be careful because in the Western United States... Between the years of 2000 and 2009, there were actually 20,000, I'm not just saying 20 here, 20,000 infected
0: people. But the good news is that most, well, I mean, because we're in the United States, the good news with that is that most people, you know, get the health care that they need. So the cases of death from, uh, the cases of death from, Uh, uh, Yersinia in the US is actually uh, sometimes none or one to two cases a year, right? Exactly, and
1: as I was saying that, I realized that 20,000 number in the Western U.S., was probably a little bit too high. That was actually twenty thousand worldwide, worldwide. Okay, in that decade. Okay. Okay. So not twenty thousand people. I don't want people coming after me and causing hysteria and some kind
0: of uh, worldwide panic. But well, that, that's I mean that, that that's it for your job. You're ten year track and you know, on ten you're done. One inaccurate statement. You're in finished. Life
1: is so in that decade, twenty thousand cases were reported Worldwide. Okay. In the Western U.S., and I'm double checking my facts here, but in the U.S. in that decade, 56 infections were okay. reported. So okay. between 2000 and 2009, 56 infections were reported in that decade, and seven people actually died from it. So roughly around
0: one, one a year or so.
1: Yeah, maybe yeah, that or, on or less a yeah. bit. Yeah. So again, nothing of too too much concern. But in the Western U.S., the reason why it is a little bit likelier to contract bubonic plague compared to other um, areas is because that um, bacterium, the Yersinia pestis, has become endemic in squirrels and wild rodents in the huh. western U.S. states. So
0: the, the, it's why well, evolving. I don't know if I want to say evolving. It's not jumping species at all, right? It's not just, really jumping, yeah, but it's just, staying in those reservoir hosts, okay. but right? And finding new reservoirs apparently, squirrels. not just rodents anymore. Exactly. Okay. Well, our our squirrels are not rodents, right? No. Yeah, yeah. But,
1: you know, the ability to find a new home in an animal could, and again, this is kind of a scary thought, and I'm not saying this could happen, but all it takes is for this tiny little bacterium to jump to a new host species that might be able to carry it um, as a reservoir, and depending on who comes into contact with that, uh, of course, we have better healthcare, obviously, than a few centuries ago. better preventative healthcare, better hygiene, but still, there's always the possibility there that because of this new vector and a new host animal, bad things could happen.
0: And even as recent as 2017, there were two documented cases in New Mexico, is that right? Exactly. In the summer of 2017,
1: there were two documented cases that were present in New Mexico, also in 2017, and here I'm going to go over to Madagascar, but there was a plague epidemic that infected hundreds and about a thousand, greater than a thousand people, and ultimately resulted in approximately 125 individuals dying from plague infection. And the one big thing here, and this is something that we could probably wrap up on with a decent discussion.
0: No, oh, yeah, I think we've
1: uh, we're getting to that point. So about yeah, yeah. we all have things to do, <laughs> such as you know grading, finals, classes. Uh, there is that in meetings, but. Um, Common antibiotics, such as what Delbert talked about beforehand, can treat and cure. And if you catch the symptoms and seek health treatment in time, odds are you're going to be okay. But this is the really big thing here, and especially in Madagascar, what I found shocking was that there is deep shame, embarrassment, and stigma surrounding this disease. And what actually happens is people are actually ashamed and afraid to seek health care if they start seeing symptoms of the plague, such oh, as the incidence of those buboes, yeah. right? And that's mainly because treating the plague in that part of the world and specifically in Madagascar isn't really a priority because it's not affecting the kind of higher classes, you know, like the political class and know, right? the higher ups. Yeah. And oh. it's seen as an embarrassment. It's seen as kind of an indictment of, oh, if you become infected with black death, You must be of the very worst lower class. You must be seen as extreme poverty level. And people feel such shame over that that they'll actually forego medical treatment. And before you know it, a few days in, you could be one of those 125 poor souls who passed. That's sad. It is sad. And, you know, this caused upheaval in Europe as well. Uh, Extreme religious persecution um, the targeting of different groups. Uh, well, Jewish I mean, not, not just that.
0: a lot of royal uh, or people of rich uh, means in Europe during the uh, outbreaks or epidemics. They they left cities and, you know, retreated to their estates in the country, countrysides, and, you know, even uh, royals as well sort of did something similar. But, I mean, it did kill off uh, 50%. Well, yeah, 50%, around. but, you know, also, you know, it, in Europe with the epidemics, it wasn't necessarily a, a dis- discriminate- discriminating disease. It did kill rich people, too. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But
1: just kind of where we are in the world right now, it's insane to kind of step back and reflect and think. Of course, everywhere in the world, if you see something that's wrong with you, especially if you see these nasty black, you know, swellings that all you would over see your body, yeah. you would immediately, I mean, I know I would immediately jump into my car and run down to the Med Express But the actual shame and insecurity surrounding this disease in certain parts of the world prevents that treatment. And that leads to higher transmission rates, increased deaths. It's really, um, it's really shocking, you know, to sit back and think about. And, you know, kind of something to say to all of the undergraduates and other individuals listening to the podcast. I know a lot of our students are a little worried right now and thinking, oh, my life is. Uh, really hellish right now because I'm going through studying. Oh, I have three exams next week. Well, just think about living... It can be worse. It could it, be, it be much, worse. much worse. It can be worse, Again, that's yeah. apparently Dr. Fawner's Foner, Dr. motto. It can always be worse. It can
0: always be worse. You know, I, I don't even remember. Uh, I mean, I remember some of the tough classes I took, but I don't remember the hellish weeks of... Uh, you know, uh, three exams in one week or whatever, you know, like those don't stay with you forever. No, you might think about them that week, but as soon as you're done and your summer
1: vacation hits within a few days, you know, yeah, remember that you took yeah. those exams. All
0: right, man. Any, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Um, you know, we could do, think we've entire... embarrassed ourselves enough. I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah enough right. for one day.
1: <laughs> we'll try again in a few more uh, days and weeks, but you know, the, the plague is a fascinating topic. We've only you know covered the surface, a few of the cool and interesting anecdotes and facts. Yeah, absolutely. Send, us, uh, do...
0: send us questions, send yep. us emails. Uh, our email is biobusters at gmail.com. That's biobusters, B-I-O, B U S T E R S, at gmail.com. And what and, we can do is if we get enough questions or any questions
1: that we get, We can take the first five minutes of the next call. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Any other uh, podcast we have on a different topic, we'll take some time to answer any uh, questions, listener questions. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to our second episode. And uh, thanks, everybody. This is uh, Dr. Foner signing off. Good luck with your finals and enjoy your summer. And this is Dr. A. And we'll see you all soon. Goodbye.